The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. What does it mean to be present, to try and stay in the moment that you're in and not worry about the future or regret the past? It's something I've been trying to do for a long time. I'm Diane Ray, and I have always had questions about the big picture. God, life after death, spirituality, metaphysics, and what drives people to do what they do. And I like to ask them about it and learn from it. If you're a seeker like me, I hope you join me for some of these conversations on the podcast and be present with me in this moment. Hello, and welcome to the conversation today. Doing this podcast, I'm often presented with books by various publicists so that the authors can be a guest on the show. This happens all the time. When one publicist that I work with regularly, her name's Eileen, told me about the book Encounters with Living Language, Surrendering to the Power of Words by Christina Donnell, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but I was intrigued by the subtitle Surrendering to the Power of Words on a couple of different levels, because I'm a big reader. I mean, ask anybody who has known me since childhood, you could never pull a book out of my hands. I read everything, shampoo bottles, you know, ingredients on things. I'm just, I'm always reading something. So over the years, I've been struck by different combinations of words, you know, in print, as well as audio. I mean, I was a a rock DJ back in the day, you know, songs are a powerful collection of words. So it, as I was looking at the book, it kind of got me thinking of what, you know, what does that really mean, you know, the power of words? And I'm a communicator in my career, I guess you could say, and my background in radio, which is an audible medium. So I personally try to use words in the most effective way to various degrees of success sometimes. But I was interested in this whole concept, so I was curious to hear Christina's take on the power of language. So I'm I'm happy to bring her on today. Christina is a clinical psychologist, a spiritual teacher, and she's also the director of the Winds of Change Association, a Minneapolis-based educational organization, and they're dedicated to offering programs that help humankind's evolving consciousness, which is pretty interesting. So you want to check that out. You can find out more about her and the organization at Christina Donnell, that's D-O-N-N-E-L-L.com if you want to see what that's about. So I want to welcome Christina to the show. Thanks for having a conversation with me today. Thank you, Diane. And more importantly, thank you for this new forum, Mind, Body, Spirit, that you are instrumental in placing in the world. We are dear sisters in sowing seeds of consciousness. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That you are doing. (laughs) Well, that's great because I, I don't think of, I guess I don't think of myself in that role of a, a, a sower of the seeds of consciousness, but yeah, that's you're I'll take it. Rock and roll, girl. That's I, right. 
I am an old rock DJ at heart, but I will take, I will accept that. Thank you. That that's very cool. And yeah, yeah we are, we are definitely trying to present, you know, di different ideas um, and, and thoughts on everything from spirituality, health and wellness, a lot of different things on mindbyspirit.fm podcast network. And that's why I think it's cool to have, have you on and we can talk about your book and your work because this is something a little bit different. And when, like I said in the beginning, when Eileen first kind of pitched me the idea, she says, oh, you have to talk to Christina. I'm like, well, what does this mean? You know, encounters with living language. And then as I spent some time with it and I sat with it and I, and I was reading with the book, you know, reading the book, I'm like, okay, now, now it's starting to make sense. So just so people can understand your book is an, it's an interesting collection of stories that was described in the press release here as eat, pray, love meets Carlos Castaneda, which is a really interesting description of a book. <laughs> so coming from you, you know, coming from the creator how would you describe the book to people? Because I'd like people to pick it up who may see it and be like, what is this? Yeah. Yes. And and thank you, Diane. And you were not the first interviewer who has given pause and said, wow, I don't even know how to do this interview because this book and this message, let's just be clear, might be one's standard deviation out or two standard deviation out from where our consensual reality is at. Right. It's something totally different. And I had not really thought of language and words in that way and in the way that it's described in the book. So how would you describe the term living language? Yes. Living language, encounters with living language. And this is what I would say. For centuries, we have used language to represent we can be in the written word or the spoken word and our conceptual mind just reduces 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 the information and it remains in the mind and what i would say given my experiences through illuminations is that living language is when well we've all experienced it when you read or the spoken word raises the hair on your neck or when you get full body chills in the sensory system of the body, that is living language. When living language is no longer just conceptualizes meaning from the mind, it is received deeper into the body where I sometimes say trap doors open and we have the experience of the inert word, representation of the inert word, that becomes alive. And my book is about this, and that when it becomes alive, it expands awareness. And not only does it expand awareness, it expands awareness to the place where you can be in the felt sense of the oneness behind all that is underlying life. And the book talks about that experience of which I had over the last 10 years, which is why I'm here to be the mouthpiece for it. Because people who voyage in consciousness are always, you know, their spiritual practices are always about expanding awareness, enlightenment, expanding awareness, uh, awakening, 
and meditation. And I, uh, this book will, will demonstrate that, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, the word, the written and spoken word can bring us to that same state, which is what tells me it's in its own evolution, just like everything else is in its own evolution. It, it is here with this book. There's a time for certain ideas to arrive, and this would be one of them. Where we get back to in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, actually, I would say in the beginning was silence, and then there was the word. Right. That's so fascinating because I'm all about it. it trying to expand my own awareness and consciousness. And if I can get there through uh, a series of words, through a practice, but I, under I understand what you're saying because I'm sure everybody can think back to reading a piece of poetry or you know, a piece of a book or even a song lyric or something that touched you in such a way to either you know, bring you to tears or something that you felt emotionally and maybe it's something that's innately in our DNA as humans. Like when you talked about in the beginning, there was the word. And you mentioned later on in the book, the word, holy word. And I'm, I was familiar with that because I've, um, I, yeah, I worked with Greg Braden when oh, I yes. worked yes. during yes. my Hay House days. And Greg did an amazing project called The God Code, The God Code Sound with Jonathan Goldman. Um, they also called it The Divine Name. So there is a specific word that can can bring us to that place, right? That place yes. of awareness and to raise our consciousness like like you're talking about. So I kind of skipped ahead a little bit because you, you did mention the word and the beginning was the word. So maybe we can circle back a little bit about that because I want to get back to what you had mentioned uh, a, a minute or so ago about in the book what you describe as transmissions that were kind of sparked by language right so yeah so in that and i hope i'm i'm explaining this right and then i want you to explain it if i'm not so in the in the trans in the transmission it was actually this was like almost like a, a channeling or receiving of information and experience that you had as a result of uh of words coming to you or reading something or how, how did those transmissions take place yeah yes yes you know, maybe we give a little historical background here. I have been a transcendent dreamer, lucid dreamer, my entire life. Uh, so I've had experiences, but in dreaming, of course, you are asleep, where the lucidity increases, you awaken in the dream, your consciousness expands, and latent capabilities for humanity arise from that place. I've had that my entire life. What I never experienced until 2012, after a near-death experience, was this kind of transmission coming while awake. Not asleep, but while awake. And, you know, the book reveals maybe Twelve of the 92 illuminations I had occasioned by the spoken or the written word where it comes from an outside source. It comes when you were not expecting it. 
it increases your lucidity. The conceptual mind receives the sensory, somatic sensory system of the body. All of your senses are absorbing. And I said, like, it was like conceptual templates of the ear, sound, body, open interior trap doors that led to a different quality of awareness and structure of awareness where everything became a unified whole. And in the 92 illuminations I had from 2012 to 2015, all from an outside source, unexpected, never, it's not like you want them to come, they just simply come, seem to have a governing aim. They seem to have a governing aim of, what do I say, training my awareness and my conceptual mind to receive, just like music, where you receive the music and there's a place with music where you are no longer separate from it, you are the music. And this is what happens with language. And with it came this beautiful blooming, blooming of oneness with all that underlies the whole. We can call it unity consciousness. We can call it non-dual awareness. But it came from the written and the spoken word. That's, in, that's incredible. And you mentioned that this was precipitated by a near-death near experience that you had that you describe in the book of uh, overcoming yellow fever. Yeah. Which was really serious. And this was um, in the Andes. So you lived and studied in the Andes for almost 20 years. That, that's a pretty in incredible experience. And you lived with the, is it Karo's people? Is that how yeah, you- the Karo. The Karo. Karo. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? That must have been pretty amazing. The, I've actually been with the Karo Indians of the high Andes, okay, 18 to 22,000 feet. You know, you can say that and people are like, okay, whatever. But guess what? Base camp for Mount Everest is 14,000 feet. They live at 18 to 22,000 feet. And they are very unique indigenous people. And I've actually spent 30 years. I, I didn't live per se, but I had a lover there and I had a godchild there. And it was an extraordinary experience because as an indigenous peoples who I think are a prototype of consciousness on the world, really, they live above the tree line. Nothing grows except potatoes there. They live off of potatoes and herding alpaca. But they also, they don't live in linear time. They don't know past, present, and future. They also don't live with what I call a me cosmology, an I, you know, like a reference of the world around an I. They, they live from a place of a we. And between that we cosmology and not living in past, present, or future, you, you could be with a Carol. They will never talk about what happened in the past or what's going to be in the future. They are so... Be present, right? Diana, in the now. Be present in this moment. And that 
the simultaneity of that full presence with less, let's just be real, 18 to 22,000 feet, that's a meditative experience every day of your life. So I, they, they are very unique. And I had the privilege of spending a lot of time in this consciousness, which I do think set up what these language transmissions brought forth from a near-death experience, which actually happened in the Andes. And I happened to be there because my lover had died from a lightning strike three months prior. And my godson, I was concerned about his parental rights. So I had gone there and I received uh, of which 50% die. And if, you know, it's, you either recover from the first round or the second round, you, you really struggle. And I didn't recover from the first round. The second, I was deeply struggling with a temperature of 106 at 18,000 feet. And I had my near death experience. I was, I was definitely ready to leave the planet. It was so painful. I was so out of my body that I reached that place of which I talk about my first book, Transcendent Dreaming, because I actually help people in medical centers with loved ones on life support who are trying to make decisions that I can be in those places, that threshold between life and death. So I know, I knew it well. I knew it well, but I never experienced it. And I experienced it in the Andes. And long story short, they're so ready, so ready to leave. So ready. It's so, it's, it's so intoxicating. That threshold is intoxicating. So ready to leave. And I hear audio sentient, I hear, I'm the living word behind language. You are to return and be the mouthpiece for language. I had no idea what that meant. That meant nothing to me. And then I came tumbling, crashing back down and it took another six, seven, eight, nine days to actually be able to take sustenance and ride horseback off the mountain and get back to the United States. And, and even in that moment, I, I was like, I don't even understand what that directive was in that moment. However, I should have known because I had eight years of absolutely being obsessed with genius writers. Shelley and Blake and Rilke and Bachelard and Valerie and how they could wield language in a way that it would absolutely move my consciousness. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. That's just an, an incredible experience. I, I can't even imagine going through something like that. I mean, personally, I would love to be able to receive those kinds of transmissions without the near-death experience. Yes, me too. Me too. So <laughs> if there's a way to do that, um, let me know. Um, you, the, the stories of, of your time there in the Andes, you, you weave into the book and, and you share a lot, a lot of your life there. And like, like you just mentioned, you did experience major loss of people that you loved. And I was just curious about the, uh, you said that the, the Kara people are ready to leave. I mean, they must have such a, a different perception and understanding of life and death as opposed to how we handle it here in the West. Yes, yes, yes. They believe they are organs of the earth, meaning they are extensions of the earth. They're the extensions of the larger continuum. And so they see the clouds and the mountains and the earth herself in the face of their children. My godson said to me once, I hear the potatoes growing today. That's something you don't hear. It's right for us. We don't hear it anymore. We don't hear here because we, we, you know, conceptualize and then move on and we do sound bites. But they, they live in that larger rhythm of the continuum. And I do believe it's all my years there that, and likely that near death experience that brought me to writing this book. So after you received these transmissions and you were guided to be a, you know, mouthpiece of language, I think it's so interesting that you're here now in this time and place when, when you look around and you see how, first of all, the power of language is undeniable. I mean, we see how stories are told, falsehoods, how people are swayed to believe a certain thing because of the power of language, of what they're told, you know, disseminated through books, the media, whatever. So I think there there is a power, like a sword that needs to be wielded carefully, right? Yes. Um, I mean, do you feel that you're here to kind of sound the alarm for that, that we should be a little more aware of the power of, of language? Diane, thank you. I actually have never thought of this before. You, you are the first person to bring this up because my message has been language is in its own evolution and and might we as humans be failing language right now may we be failing it because it has more to offer because my experience has shown me it has much more to offer so i i like this like you know consensual reality how we the non-truths the truths how how we sit with that and yet i am like at standard deviation out saying what if you don't what if you let your mind recede with a spoken or written word and bring it into the body 
and feel its truth and feel how it can expand your own awareness. So I wanted, on that note, I wanted to ask you about the power of sacred language. I mean, I've, you know, personally experienced being in a group like uh, a kirtan, right? Yes. Where, you're, where you're chanting. Yeah. And even though I don't really know exactly what I may be saying, sometimes you do if there's an explanation of the particular chant, right? But it's undeniable the power you feel in in saying those words and sounds with a group. And then if you think of other examples, like even going back to, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the sounds, dee, 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 you know, and how that connected people. Uh, so I think that's interesting to explore. I mean, what do you think about that's so old and primal, right? Those sounds, how sacred language, some of those sounds and words were from, you know, the Upanishads, like back in, yes. Yes. Back in the day. <laughs> I, uh, yes, yes. And in, in group where that sound is a surround sound, it allows a different experience. And what I would say is, and I do talk about this in the book, it was really helpful for me that a good friend of mine that I had a conversation with sent an audio, like a one minute, 19 second audio of Maharishi talking about the power of the word, you know, so Maharishi, you know, was the pioneer of the transcendental, right, transcendent, transcendental meditation, meditation, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's not where I come from. So, but he, but he was that, and and that one minute 19 confirmed the experience I've been having with these illuminations where he said, yes, any word. And even somebody from the audience said, do you mean Sanskrit or do you mean any language? Like even English. And he's like, any word, any language, any word. You can have the knowledge and the meaning of a word but if you don't have the experience of the word, then you have not received fully the word and it will only be inert and will not be alive until you have the experience of the word. And when you have the experience of the word, it leads the unbounded awareness and that the meaning of the word will never take you there. That was very significant for me. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible to think about. I mean, since are, are you still having these tran- transmissions? Do they I do? So? I do, but thank goodness they're not so um you know, I mean, you can see in the book they're riveting and I, like I hang on by my fingernails because these transmissions for whatever reason, blocked my conceptual mind, blocked that I could make meaning. They went deep into the experience, opened trap doors, which then expanded awareness. And it was only when I could retrieve making meaning or rationalizing, they would stop. Which also tells me this is the evolution of the word. But yes, I now still have that and I have the ability 
to not react so strongly to that my conceptual mind hasn't gone offline. Okay. So you have a little more control over the yes. experience. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, they happen in my in my consultations all the time, which is a which is really beautiful because as Rookie would say, there are a thousand roots under every word. And in those words are the archetypal forces unseen, yes, but forces that are behind those words. And so holy power of the word is when you can receive that, it enters the room. It enters the room and it changes the exchange you're having. And the holy power of the word, when when you're talking about that, it made me think of the story of the Tower of Babel, you know, the, the biblical biblical explanation of multiple languages, and that if I get the story right, God was concerned that humans had blasphemed by building the tower, you know, close to God. So he brought down the tower and the, the people that were working on it all started talking different languages. They were divided into different different groups so that they couldn't understand each other to build the tower back up again. Is that kind of the story? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's beautiful, though. I like it. Now now it's my story. Well, I, well, I looked it up before we talked because I wanted to get the story right because I remember seeing it. I was watching. I forget. It was some kind of biblical story or the stories of the Bible or something on TV. I don't know. But they, they did a dramatization of the Tower of Babel and God strikes the, the tower down, he didn't want them to to build it so high. And then all of the all of the people that were working on it were divided into different groups so that they couldn't understand each other to build back up the tower again to be too close. I don't I mean, I'm probably getting the story twisted a little bit, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the Old Testament, you know, a lot of uh retribution and, you know, hell yes. and brimstone and, and and things like that. But I, but I think the interesting thing I kind of gleaned from it was that even though people were, were understanding different words, it could be powerful to them, you know, even though they may not, may not understand the other person's words. Yes. And if that makes any sense. And not knowing this story. <laughs> We'll have to look it up. I'll do my Bible study or look up after this. But I, it's something like that. The humans were divided into different groups, so they couldn't understand each other. I don't know. Let me let me think of the of the lesson beyond that. But anyway, it, it's just an interesting story, I guess, about the the power of language, right? So if they couldn't understand each other, God wins because they couldn't build the tower up to be too close to Him. I would say this oh wow i can go in so many directions <laughs> so many if i'm sitting with 30 students you know longtime students spiritual students voyaging in consciousness and i drop one sentence like i i i am the light behind you. I drop that slowly into a vat 
a fan of wine with 30 people. And I repeat it and I repeat it again. And then I do a surround, kind of like chanting. All 30 students experience expanded awareness and consciousness because the words themselves are being experienced. They're not being represented in the mind. They're being experienced. And when the word is experienced, the struts and fibers fall away. And this is a fascinating thing about language, the word, then it starts connecting to the unseen and the forces underlying the word themselves. And people have that experience and then in the group becomes multiplied and there's a whole nother experience, right? And so it's, I say, in, I say in the book, you know, Gandhi is a great example. Gandhi sat in prayer for India from a place of nonviolence and the violence was stopped through that language and word. That is the holy power of word. The Caro Indians call in lightning strikes and thunder as part of ceremony, not from a place of power, but from a place of dominion that you are a part of us and we want you in this exchange, right? Because language is not only the, the word, it's also the sound that the, all of the, our beautiful, beautiful earth makes. The thunder, the lightning, the rain, the streams, the rivers, the birds. It's all sound of which if we can come home to, and it's the whole point of the book, expands awareness and you can be in the unified field. Right. That's where I want to be in the unified field. So th this is such a fun conversation. I, I wanted to ask you quickly about, I, I worked uh, for Hay House and a woman named Louise Hay, and she was the queen of positive oh, yeah. affirmations. Who doesn't know Louise Hay? Yes. So a lot of people, you'd be surprised, but, but probably most of the people that listen to this podcast or listen to the podcast on this network are definitely aware of, of Louise and her work. And and the interesting thing, if you spent any time around Louise, um, she would she would call you on your words. You know, certain words, combinations, you know, she didn't like. Like if you were in a meeting and she said, or if someone said, well, we can do this, it'll kill two birds with one stone. Well, why would you want to do that? You know? Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. She, she, would, she would comment on it. Or if you said something like, oh, I'm, I'm dying to go there. She'd say, no, you're not dying to go there. Things like that. She yeah. was very aware of what you said and yeah. the power that you put on those certain words. Absolutely. So I just wondered what you felt about that. Do you think there's power in affirmations? And some people think they're silly and don't have any power. There is power in every word we utter. The, the question is, when we utter it to another are they in a place to receive it and understand its power? Or are they just surfing on the surface consciousness? And it's why I come back to, have we failed language? It has 
so much more to offer. So much more to offer. You know, Eckhart Tolle said, I can't remember, it wasn't, it was one of his first books, but he was like, A-E-I-O-U and all the consonants, how could that ever bring you to enlightenment? And I'm here to say, oh my goodness, A-E-I-O-U and all the consonants can absolutely bring you there and it can bring you there faster than meditating for 20, 30 years. But you have to receive it. You have to have the experience. It's like a musician. It has to come into your body. It has to sting inside of you. You have to be present, right? You have to be present. But all your senses taking in the word without conceptualizing, which is what we've done for two centuries. Right. I agree. I think we're definitely, we have been failing language. We've been failing a lot of things, I think, as a species that hopefully we're becoming more aware of. And yeah. maybe we're all about sex and emojis right now. <laughs> OMG, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. so true. Uh, the The book has really brought some great ideas to me, and I hope it'll spark conversation and, and debate with the readers. And I wanted to ask you, you were introduced to me as a mystic. Eileen said that you're a mystic. So would you say, what would you say to that? Would you agree? Do you, do you feel that? Um, well, I live in America. It's the 21st century. And who really wants to believe in a female mystic in the 21st century at a time where we're in a, a de degradation? But what I will tell you is from the day I was born, I definitely have a mystical temperament. I'm a psychologist, so I can hold that space while being rational. And the entire reason I've been on the earth is I am a womb for the unseen to move into the seen and into the manifest world. And it's why I'm doing this interview. It's why I always show up. And we can call that whatever we want to call that. Okay. No, I like that. A womb for the unseen. That is very mystical. So I think <laughs> I, will, I would put you in that in the mystical category. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. put a lot of people in there, but I think it's a very cool title to have. So I'd like you to share if there's anything you'd like people to know about the book. I mean, you know, kind of as a wrap up, what would you say if someone sees the book? on the shelf, wherever they are, or they're scrolling through Amazon, and this kind of strikes an interest. Who, who do you hope picks it up? Well, I can say this. Given the book has not been out that long, but the people most resonant with it are musicians, sound healers, people who understand the experience of the sensory body and bringing something in and letting it transport their awareness. And I would say this too about the readers. And this is true for my 30 years of being a spiritual teacher. Everyone will tell you, I cannot remember what I read or listened to if it were an audio, but my consciousness was transported. And when I went back to it again, 
it's like I never heard it before. And this book is in the same vein. And I can't explain that. I just, I can't explain that. But it is the nature of, I think, the unseen moving into the manifest world and transporting consciousness. So I would say this book will transport consciousness. Well, I definitely suggest people give it a read and at least open your mind to some of these ideas because you, you definitely opened up mine. I thought that it's, it's a very cool read and your writing is beautiful, very poetic. And I think people are really going to enjoy it. The book is Encounters with Living Language, Surrendering to the Power of Words. And Christina, it's been so fun to have you on the podcast. And if people want to find out about you, definitely head to your website, christinadonnell.com. And thanks so much for listening today to the show, all of you people out there, whoever finds me in podcast land. If you like what you heard, please leave a review. And if you haven't downloaded the free mindbodyspirit.fm mobile app, please make sure you do that in the app store for Apple or Android. You can leave a message or comment for any of our podcasters on the open mic feature. So check that out. And make sure you check out all the wonderful podcasters we have on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. And thank you so much, Christina. Diane, thank you. Thank you. You are doing a beautiful service in the world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.